Welcome back to the Life of Garrity podcast. Welcome back to our living room. This is episode four, which is part one of a three-part series about navigating chronic disease. This is going to be a really deep conversation. Yeah, let's preface that with we gave you a little bit of the lighter side last week because we were gearing up for this three-part mini-series, call it, to use a buzzword in entertainment these days, because we're going to get into it. We are. And I want you to know, too, that we are completely winging in this conversation. We don't have any notes about exactly what we're going to talk about. We're just going to wing it. And I will say that I feel an immense amount of pressure because I don't want to do the autoimmune community a disservice. That's okay because that's your story. Right. It's my story. And I keep trying to go back to that idea. This is my story from where I'm at right now. A year from now, it will be different. 10 years from now, it'll be different. 50 Mm -hmm. years from now, it'll be different. But where I am right now, this is how I perceive that journey. And this is a family disease, right? So Lori has her story with chronic disease. It's a place that I can't put myself in and I can't feel. But on the other side, being a quasi caregiver, I have a different story too. So we have a shared story exactly with individual parts and perspectives because I'm sure for every person out there that deals with chronic disease, there's a family. There's a support system. Most times there's a support system. Maybe it's not family, but, but maybe there is it's a support right. System. Maybe it's not family. There is a support system. What is going to make this conversation a little different than what you typically hear in the autoimmune community and the health and wellness world is that During this conversation, Ryan will be interjecting his experience throughout. I did this little mini series on Instagram at one point called autoimmune awareness. And I, we had a handful of friends who have people close in their life that are struggling with a chronic disease or, or maybe a mental illness or something. And they found those posts to be helpful in, uh, just helping them reframe and, and see something from, see it from the other person's perspective. So that is something that's important to us is to share the experience that we've had as a unit and you know really you guys today and for the next few weeks are going to hear ryan's perspective on all of this because that's a huge piece of this right because Lori talks a lot about chronic disease and and there's a community of folks out there especially with her specific uh disease but there's also a whole community of folks like me as well who you don't really hear from Exactly. So it was it was really cool for me when Lori was sharing those her story that um, I had folks come up to me that were in the same position I was. Maybe they were a caregiver. Maybe they had somebody close in their life that had a chronic disease and they weren't sure how to approach it. And just the fact that there was somebody else out there that could relate, you know, help them to not feel alone. And I've talked with a lot of folks about it and people that I don't necessarily would not have necessarily thought I'd connect with 
um, turn out to be wonderful people, you know, and you know, we, we share that commonality. So I can speak on my experience. I don't speak from any point of view of being an expert in anything, just from what I've learned over the years of how to hold space for Lori and how to be available, how to not try to do the stereotypical alpha male playbook and try to fix it and try to fix it because what you'll find out throughout the course of this process is that you literally can't fix it right so that is incredibly frustrating can't control it can't fix can't it can't control it nope exactly and that was a hard concept a hard pill to swallow because there's a lot of things that I like to approach with, Oh, I can fix this, you know? And so you literally can fix it. Anything. It took a while. Yeah. I remember the story about the, except for the dryer, my chronic disease. Right. Can't fix that. And it took a while to be able to be okay and accept that fact. So sometimes what being a caregiver looks like for me is literally just holding space. And I remember watching that process unfold for you and yeah, it brings me to tears every time I think about it. So we'll talk a little bit more about it, but... Let's dive in. Let's jump right in. Okay. Six years ago, we moved out to New Jersey. We were previously living in Colorado, and I had been paleo for about two years. And at that point, I would always tell people, oh, I'm gluten-free by choice. I don't have a reason to be. So when we moved to New Jersey, I thought, I'm going to have bagels. I'm going to have pizza. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to have homemade pasta why of course, not because we're like the capital of pasta yeah. bagels and pizza and you guys it's true what they say the bagels and the pizza are amazing it's here. the water it's the water the yeah. dirty water right as, yeah as dirty as you think we are <laughs> we have the world's best bagels there's a reason for that so i lived my best and seven days in my body revolted and i woke up and my lips were swollen and I had no idea what was going on. I, that had never happened before. And we were staying at Ryan's parents' house. So his mom took me to urgent care. They gave me Benadryl. And they said, oh, come back if your throat closes up. But they said, oh, you're probably just having a reaction to something. So I took the Benadryl. It did absolutely nothing. And for the next couple of weeks, I knew, like in my heart, I knew something was wrong. But I just, I was scared. We had just moved here. I w this was my first time moving far away from my family. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I didn't know. It was scary. I felt scared. So I just lived with swollen lips for a few weeks. And then after a few weeks, I went back to the urgent care. And I said, it's still happening. And they said okay, well, we'll send you to an allergist. So I went to an allergist and they did like the arm prick test. And they said, oh, you're not allergic to anything. So he said, this must be an internal thing or an autoimmune thing. You need to see an internal doctor. And he gave me a list of three doctors and he gave me some steroids to help the swelling go down, which the steroids did work. And... I took that piece of paper, I crumbled it up, and I don't even think I told you about no, it. No, I don't think this is the first time hearing of it. I but... was so scared that something was seriously wrong with me. If you ask my therapist, this is a pattern of mine. I'm going to 
look the other way. I'm not going to hear the truth in the moment. Yeah. So I'm like, I got these steroids. It's going to totally work. Let's order some Chinese food and eat all the gluten and all the soy. So I, you know, kind of put that in the back of my mind, but I don't do anything with it. And it happened a couple more times in a mild way where, like, I remember one night we were eating Chinese food and I started to feel my lips tingling. And I went in the cabinet, grabbed the steroids, took a couple and the swelling went away. So then fast forward, one of our CrossFit coaches had been diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So a little background, I was put on thyroid medication when I was 16. I was diagnosed with uh, hypothyroidism, which is super common. Yeah, it's common, yeah. A ton of men and women have it. But what they didn't tell me at the time was that it was the autoimmune form, which most people, if you have hypothyroidism, it is Hashimoto's. But that was just not something that was talked about back then. So they just gave me the medication and sent me on my way. So at the time, I was having a lot of weird situations. Now looking back, I know it would be considered a flare-up. But I was having these situations where my hands and my feet would swell up and my throat would swell up. And I would uh, get really fatigued. And sometimes I would be bedridden for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And we thought that I just kept getting sick. Like I was getting a lot of colds. Yeah. And... Ryan had put to get the pieces together a little bit and he said, hey, why don't you find a real thyroid doctor? Because if you're someone with Hashimoto's, you know, when you go to a general practitioner, they'll test your thyroid, like just a couple of things, but they're not going to do an in-depth analysis of what's really going on. And they're probably not going to have a conversation with you about Hashimoto's. Yeah. It's our first foray into starting to work with specialists in these fields. Right. And we'll talk more about that too. And Ryan is like, hey, we live right outside New York City. I know. The best doctors in the whole world. <laughs> we got plenty world. of good ones over there. Why not? Just check it out. Insurance yeah. covers it. Just do it. So I found this endocrinologist. And at this point, I had only ever seen a general practitioner. I'd never been to an, a real endo. Mm -hmm. So I go in. She does my lab work. She does a, a scan of my thyroid. And she says, well, you know you have Hashimoto's, right? And I was like, like some matter of the fact, what, 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 do you what mean, is this you word know? you just said? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. And I remember right afterwards, I was meeting Ryan over in Midtown where you work. And we were like going to yeah. go out to dinner or something. I think we went to Bryant Park. Yeah. I called my mom and told her and she was like, that's weird. And of course she did a whole bunch of research. And then I got to you and I told you what happened and you were like, wow, okay. I guess we'll like kind of look into it. But also, while I was there, she said, you need to find out what your triggers are, but as an absolute, absolute, you need to cut out gluten and soy mm. here on out and take a look at your environmental factors. And that was all she told me. And, and I went on my way and I thought gluten and soy. And she, she, this is actually uh, a great tidbit. She took the time to explain to me the reason why is biomimicry your body goes to attack the gluten and soy, but because at a molecular level, it looks very similar to the thyroid tissue, it accidentally attacks the thyroid. Right. So, so she, is this the first time that a medical professional has actually indicated that obviously not only there's a diagnosis, but there's some very specific things you should stay away from? This is the first time. Especially food, because it's very common in the medical world especially with the diseases we're talking about, to not opine exactly. on diet and the like. Yes. Which is ridiculous to me because I'm like, listen, I understand 
there's a liability issue, but at the same time, we know there's a clear link there. This was the first time that I had ever heard that. And even being in the paleo community, I just had not really heard too much about this yet or about autoimmune diseases at all. So this was my first time and I'm grateful that she took the time to tell me just that little tidbit yeah. because that gave me enough information to go out and arm myself with the facts. Right. So I took that information. Did I follow it right away? Absolutely not. I was like, well, you know, it's yeah. totally fine. And I continued to have these flares and that I deep dove into you know, listening to all the podcasts, reading all the books, reading all the blogs, learning about Hashimoto's. And one of my friends, uh, I'll give a shout out, our CrossFit gym owner, Christy Link. She, uh, I talked to her about it one day because I was like, man, I'm really not getting better. And she was like, well, have you cut gluten? And I was like, well, yeah, she she was was... like, you might, you might want to start with that. Well, I think what was happening was, um, we were still kind of tiptoeing around that. Wow, we were tiptoeing it big was, time. The link wasn't as clear, although the doctor had count. told us. Yeah, so when Lori would flare up, what would happen is what it would look like is it would it would literally look like the flu. So I thought yes. she'd have the flu for like, All the time. like three to five days <laughs> at a time. Yes. And I think finally I said, no longer are we we playing around like we can't play around any longer. Like what would happen is we'd go to we would we would be gluten free at home, but then we'd go to a restaurant. And if we told a waiter or waitress that we were gluten-free by allergy and they didn't have a high level of confidence or conviction in what they were talking about when you asked if it was gluten-free and they said, yeah, you'd probably be okay. That right there was the litmus test. And I was like, no, we're not playing that game anymore because it's burned us too many times. Yes. And I will say that is a great point because that is something that was pivotal in my healing was that Ryan said, no, we're not doing this anymore because I didn't have the confidence to do that. Especially when we were out to dinner with your family, I felt very embarrassed to ask questions to the waiter. And I think too, if you're in the beginning of a diagnosis, there's this beginning stage where you just, you feel like you're separate from, you feel other, and you just don't want to, you just want to feel normal and be like everyone else. And in the beginning, I had such a hard time standing up for myself. And one of the last times that I played around, Ryan wasn't there to supervise me. We were in... Memphis. Memphis, okay, so... Oh yeah, Memphis, Tennessee. The last time I really played around was Memphis, Tennessee we were staying in a hotel. Ryan was at a work conference. He was doing work things and I ordered room service and I saw on the menu there were, I could order like eggs and breakfast potatoes. And I knew like when the breakfast, I didn't ask the question. And when the potatoes came, I saw that they had been deep fried and they weren't like breaded or anything, but I could tell they went in a deep fryer and I ate every single one of those potatoes. I loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, it was the best thing. And about 12 hours later, boom, dead. Oh, I shouldn't say dead. That's not a great thing to say. But I was out like a light for a few days. And I knew, and I told him myself, I told Ryan, I ate the potatoes. I didn't ask the questions. They were absolutely deep fried. I ate them anyway. And previous to that, when we would go out to a restaurant, if there was any, if the waiter had any hesitation whatsoever, Ryan would say, either 
we're not eating here or you're not eating that. And yeah, you can read them very, yeah, very we've learned a quickly. Lot. And over, over time in our experience, we get it right away. Like yes. if somebody wavers, I know right away. Right it doesn't away. matter what comes next. Nope. I've already made my decision. Yes. And, and I needed that, you guys. I needed his support. I needed someone to say, and sometimes we would go into a restaurant and he would say that he's celiac just so that they would take it seriously. Yeah, I started and he to would do say, that too. What, what can I not have on this menu? Because I just didn't have the confidence. Now I'll ask a hundred questions. Yeah. I have no shame in my game. I, I'm here for it. But at the time I really needed that support and I needed him. He led by example and showing me how to stand up for myself. And I had to learn over time what you know when i wasn't careful i absolutely would have a flare-up and i had to just learn that but that was the last time was in memphis yeah. tennessee since then i have not eaten yeah. something from a fryer exactly and you know the flare-ups um they're a tough place to be because you know you think about caring for somebody that has the flu like really bad flu you know, and now like whatever I had on the docket basically is put off to the side so that I can literally take care of this person. There was a couple of situations that got a little dicey where I was like oh. getting really concerned. And there were some periods there where I had to stay home from work, you know, yeah. and my uh, coworkers are fantastic. And I work in a small business where um, we have that flexibility. Family always comes first, which is which is great. But um you know, as somebody who, you know, is or leading a busy life and then all of a sudden, you know, my wife gets sick. It's like everything stops. And now I become a complete I have to literally put on a completely different hat. Yeah. And it wasn't that it was getting um, annoying or anything like that for me. It was just more like my concern for you. Like over time, I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, this sucks because, you know, now you're literally out for three, four or mm -hmm. five days. Yeah. And the fatigue would be so severe, it was hard to open my eyes. I couldn't stand long enough to take a shower or stand long yeah, enough to cook Yeah, we spent a lot of time in urgent cares. Oh my gosh. I've been in more urgent cares with this woman <sighs> than in my entire life. It's but we real. just didn't know. So. I'm proud to say I have not been to an urgent care for a very I know. long time. <laughs> How about that big win? We'll do like that Air Ooh, 5 awkward air five. social distance thing. Yeah. She's okay. like on the other side of the couch here. So yeah. just to give you an idea. So I'll give you one tip. When we're traveling, there's an app we use called Find Me Gluten-Free, and that app has never failed us. We have used it in some of the weirdest, most obscure places in the country, yeah. and it's never once failed us. So, exactly. So I guess um, to kind of start to tie a bow on it, right? So where are we at now with Hashimoto's? So I mean, obviously in the beginning, it was a very tough road. You think a diagnosis, obviously... It's very difficult because you think your life's going to change. You don't know what that means. There's uncertainty. You don't quite know what your treatment plan looks like, how to get to quote unquote remission mm -hmm. yeah. because it's about... still there. So obviously we fumbled our way through that. We have our own experience. So what life looks like now, I am in remission from Hashimoto's. And what happened was in the beginning, I... Uh, did an AIP diet. I did the food journal. I started meditating more. I took Epsom salt baths. I did all the things that they recommend. I, you know, deep breathing and 
what happened was I still wasn't there. I mean, on paper, my lab work was fine, but I, I knew like I was still fatigued. I still had uh, a lot of brain fog and I had heard about, you know, people recommend to work with a natural path a few times, but real talk money was really tight at that point. And we were getting married in, so this would have been 2016. So it's been four years that I've been working with my natural path. So I found her, Dr. Brooke Kalanick. Her website is better by Dr. Brooke. I started working with her May of 2016. And we had, it was a conversation we had to have prior because it was a lot of money up front. And Ryan at that point was like, yeah, I, I think this, you know, let's move some things around so we can make it happen. So we did. And essentially there were things like my first meeting with her, she went through everything that I was eating. You know, she said, tell me what you eat on a regular basis. Tell me what supplements you take, etc." And there was like a green powder that from a very reputable brand that a lot of people love that I was taking. And she was like, this is great but not if you have Hashimoto's. And so there were a lot of things. She really took the time to go through every single thing and say what was you know, supporting my body and what probably wasn't. And there were really basic things like cut out eggs for a while because people with autoimmune disease oftentimes react to egg whites. And so there were all these little tiny things that I would have never really known. But so I started doing, I implemented everything that she told me and we also, she got me on a pretty um heavy duty supplement regimen which a lot of those supplements I still take today and I think the thing that's interesting is that in the beginning Ryan was kind of like all right like who's this witch doctor right <laughs> and all of a sudden holistic medicine I started like all of a sudden I woke up yeah. and I came back to life and Ryan watched me get out of bed without you know struggle that was the big thing all of a sudden um you started to get up with me. Yeah. When I used to get up and leave you in bed. I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember you saying that you just wanted to be able to get up with me. Yeah. And Dr. Brooke is on point. Uh, yeah. Obviously, her practice is also backed by some Western medicine technologies. For instance, she did run a series of labs yeah, to she, try to uh-huh. analyze the levels yeah. in your blood so she could literally tailor the supplement regimen to your specific case. Because people with Hashimoto's, although they have commonalities and they share different symptoms and, and there's some very specific no-nos, are all different too. Yes. So I remember that and I remember we're still really living on a budget and we had to appropriate money to figure out how to pay for some of these supplements because they were expensive. And I still have the same view today. And that view is that it doesn't matter to me what it costs. If it is health related, especially mm-hmm. something that we know works, I don't care. Yeah. I do think the health is, is paramount importance. Absolutely. And I'll say too that to this day, there is nothing that I take supplement wise. I essentially threw out everything that I was taking at the time and everything I take now is either from a medical professional or from her. 
that she recommends and there's specific brands and specific things. So we don't even, we don't mess around. I don't take anything from the store. Even aside I take from like some an of electrolyte tablet. Even I take some of that stuff too. Yeah. So. Now Ryan takes some of the same, same stuff, same brands. So where were we at with Hashimoto's? Where we're at. So then I come back to life. I get into remission. I feel awesome. And I, at the time, like I was very dogmatic. I was like, this is the way if you have Hashimoto's, here's what you got to do. And I, uh, I took it very serious. I traveled with everything. I put collagen in my coffee every single morning and I'll leave you with this one last thing before we end this episode. There are moments that I go back to in my mind before what happens next. And I think back about how simple my life was. And these were the last few moments before my life was about to change forever. And I was in remission. I felt on top of the world. And I have this memory, which I'll expand on in some other time. We'll talk about food freedom at some point. But I'm sitting at a conference in DC. This is week five of six weeks of traveling. And my coworker, Evan, and I are at this women's leadership for architects conference in DC and I'm sitting at this this table and I have my coffee and I have my collagen and I have my MCT oil powder and I have my 6000 supplements and I have you know the collagen that goes in my water and I have like I have all this this pile of all these things that I'm doing to hold on to control to mm-hmm. hold on to this life yeah. and this remission and then a week later, everything changes. So that's where we'll pick up next week. A friendly reminder, if you rate us and leave us a review, screenshot it and email it to us with your mailing address. We will send you a fun gift from one of our favorite companies for Sigmatic. Our email is hello at lifeofgarity.com. All of that information is in the show notes. We would be forever grateful. So go. A friendly reminder, if you rate and leave us a review, No, hold on. Cut. Cut. Okay, a friendly reminder, if you rate and leave us a review, screenshot it and email it to us. This fucking donkey outside. Oh my gosh. The exact time that you started that. It's that green truck guy. And typically I don't care, but no, that's F-150 guy. Oh, jeez. Typically I don't care, but for some reason he thinks that he needs to sound like he's driving a NASCAR up Palisade Avenue. Sorry about that. See you next week. That one's good. That was a good one.